You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. As we close the third chapter of Chagiga, we are going to close on issues about universalism and inclusiveness. Now, it seems very strange because we think about the temple service as something that was just reserved for the priests. But we learned that anybody's trusted if for, for example, the production of pottery, if they live anywhere closer than, closer to Jerusalem than Modi'in. We learned the opinion of Rabbi Yossi that we need to trust an Amaaretz, an ignorant person, in terms of matters of purity and impurity. Because if we don't do that, people will go off and build their own altar. And the result of these lenience, and, and by the way, everybody is assumed to be in a state of purity during the festival, whether they are normally careful or not. In other words, whether they are normally an Amaaretz, someone who doesn't pay attention to ritual purity, or whether they're a Chaver, someone who is always always particular. At a time of the festival, everybody is considered to be pure. So what do we do at the end of the festival? Well, we need to purify the temple. And that is how the, the tractate and the chapter and actually the um, order of Moed closes. How do we, well, ma'avirin, ma'avirin I've translated here as to pass over. Literally, it is to pass over. But how do they pass over the purification of the temple court? I mean, the phrase is not easy to understand. And lahavir can also mean to announce, like lahavir kol, to make an announcement, to pass over an announcement. So maybe this could be translated also as how did they announce the purification of the temple court? And we'll see this make sense when, when we just read through the rest of the Mishnah. They used to immerse the vessels which were in the temple. So everything is going to be immersed. And they said to them, be careful lest you touch the table or the menorah. So we can see here already there is some idea of an announcement, right? They used to immerse, but they used to make an announcement. So maybe we should translate the beginning of the Mishnah. How did they announce the purification of the courtyard? in the sense of making an announcement. And the Rambam comments here in a way that connects us up right to the beginning of the Masechet. The Rambam makes connect, we're right at the last Mishnah of the Masechet, of the tractate, but the Rambam is going to make a comment that will take us right back to the beginning. So the Rambam is going to say, He's trying to explain, you know, why are we why are we purifying the the temple courtyard? And he says, This is people. This is because people used to mingle together in the temple at festival times. Everybody used to mingle together. Everybody was included. And he quotes of and he and he quotes of and and he, he's now going to quote a verse, the verse that we quoted when we began the tractate. So everybody's mingling together in the in the in the temple by regalim at festival time. as we were commanded, 
all your males shall be seen. We began the tractate by saying there's a, there's a command to be seen in Jerusalem. All your males shall be seen. And the Rambam is saying, look, if we think about what this means, and I mean, I mean this is a gendered command, and maybe we, I, I don't think, I don't think the Rambam even thought that to be inclusive, you had to include women. So he's living in a Muslim society. He does, he's not been thinking about that, but he's thinking about inclusiveness in, if you like, in, in the male landscape only. And he's saying, look, if we're going to include everybody, then we need to purify afterwards. And then he explains the commandment about the table. But they were particularly commanded about the temple. Remember that the announcement made to the people was be careful be careful lest you touch the table or the menorah so the rambam continues they were careful about the table particularly because god said before me always always and it was impossible to take it away and to put another one in its place. Why does the Rambam say, before me always? He's quoting a verse from Kitisa, from Exodus. And it's a verse about the table. You shall put on the table. The tables mentioned in Exodus, chapter 25, verse 30, you shall put the showbread, the bread of display on the table. And the verse concludes, before me always. So the Rambam is saying, look, we have a particular command to have the bread on the table at all times. So you can't move the table. That is why when we announce the immersion, the purification of the temple court and the immersion of the vessels, we take particular care to tell people, don't touch the table, don't touch the menorah, because we can't immerse them. We can't move the table. And by the way, exactly the same applies to the menorah. There's a, there's a verse for the menorah. Tzavet B'nai Israel. This one is from Leviticus, from the Pashar of Emor. Tzavet, it's the last aliyah of the Pashar of Emor. Command the Jewish people to bring you clear oil of beaten olives for lighting. To light an eternal flame. The light has to burn all the time in the temple. Maybe there's a, maybe the, maybe the Mishnah is thinking about another universal symbol, symbol here, but the table is there all the time. The, Menorah is there all the time. They can't be immersed. The Mishnah goes on. All the vessels that were in the temple had second and third sets. You could say they had backup sets and backups of backups. So if the first set was defiled, they'd bring a second set in its place. So again, we're, we're opening up to everybody, whether they are pure or impure. We know there's a risk of defiling the temple vessels. We don't worry about it. We've got a backup set. We've got a backup for the backup. 
we can deal with it. And then after the festival, we're going to purify. So all the vessels that were in the temple required immersion. All the vessels in the temple required immersion, except for the altar of gold and the altar of bronze. The altar of gold was the, um, the spice altar, the incense altar. The incense was offered up on the altar every day. It was offered in the middle of the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur, but it's offered up on the incense altar every day. And the bronze altar, the bronze altar is used for the sacrifices. So why don't they need to be immersed? There's a dispute. We're going to close on a dispute. According to Rabbi Eliezer, they don't need to be immersed because they're like ground. And one of the characteristics of the ground is it can never be tameh. The ground's never tameh. It never receives tumah. It's quite a useful, again, universalistic idea. The ground never receives tumah. And by the way, the altar was supposed to be made of earth. There's another verse. This is at the end of uh, Parsha of, of Yitro, chapter, end of chapter 20 in Exodus. Misbath Adama Ta'aseli. You shall make an altar of earth for me. You shall sacrifice it on it, all your burnt offerings and all your other offerings. And then again, in a, in a universal turn, tone, the verse says, In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I'll come and bless you. There's something universal about worship. And the altar is actually supposed to be built of earth. We're not how the rabbis get away with a bronze altar is another question entirely, which maybe we'll learn on another occasion. But the point is, at its essence, the altar is earth. So Rabbi Eliezer is saying, and we know he's a he's an extremist literalist. Rabbi Eliezer is saying, look, the altar is like earth, so we don't need to immerse it. The sages say, because they were overlaid. So the, the, the incense altar and the, the altar for the sacrifices, I mean, they were gold and they were bronze, but they were covered with gold and covered with bronze. So they were wood inside and wood can receive tumah, but the metal cannot. And the Chachamim the, 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 the is saying, because they're overlaid with bronze, the wood underneath ne is never, effectively never comes in contact with anything impure. So it never needs to be immersed. That, that's the way the, the sages go. I, I must say, from a poetic point of view, I, I, you know, I have a lot of sympathy for Rabbi Eliezer. He's articulating something completely general and universal about the, 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 the object right at the center of the Beit Midashan. That's a really interesting place to stop to finish the Tractate of Moad. So let's say the Hadran. Hadran Allah, Seder Moed. We will return to you, Seder Moed. So we've started all the way at Shabbat, gone through Eruvin, through Psachim, Shkalim, right the way through to the minor Tractate to the end, finishing with Chagiga. We've gone all the way through Seder Moed, and we will return to you at some point. 
We will return to you, Seyed Moed, and you will return to us. Our mind is on you, Seyed Moed, and your mind is on us. We will not forgive, we will not forget you, Seyed Moed, and you will not forget us. Not in this world and not in the next one. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.